This is Usable, a Quartz creative podcast that profiles the creators that are applying user-first design to reinvent how we experience the world. On this episode, Alexandra Owens talks to Scott Simmons, creative director at Pittsburgh's Scarehouse, about how he uses what makes us tick to make us scream. So Scott, welcome to Usable. Hi, glad to be here. So for listeners who aren't familiar, what is Scarehouse? Scarehouse is where a bunch of weird people spend all year trying to find new ways to scare you. (laughs) We're in Pittsburgh, which I always say is the zombie capital of the world, because this is where George Romero first made Night of the Living Dead back in the 60s. And it is a just a labor of love of this weird and ever-expanding family of artists, Halloween fans, and we just were working year-round coming up with very elaborate, very cinematic experiences that are all based on original concepts, original ideas. And, you know, we've been lucky enough to be recognized as one of the top haunted attractions in the country. Can you dive a little more into how the industry has evolved? Well, I mean, it's really become a global industry now. And it is, I am seeing more and more that haunted houses are sort of the carrier device of Halloween into other countries. You're seeing other countries slowly getting to Halloween, largely because they are seeing the videos online and the websites and the photos of places like Scarehouse and going, well, that looks like fun. What is that exactly to go into a building and have the actors jump out and try to scare you? And so now that it is an actual international business and you have theme parks getting into it in a huge way, and you have a lot of Hollywood effects artists getting into it because with, the, with CGI and computer technology and everything else coming in, there's actually less and less use for actual practical special effects in the movies. So a lot of those experts are sort of moving into the real life space, if you will, of haunted attractions. So how the industry has changed is it's not only grown, but it's, we have all these resources that we certainly didn't have back in the 80s and 90s, you know, and I think the 80s and 90s, it was very much a community theater style. Let's all, we got a barn, let's put on a scary house in the barn, you know, and it's interesting to me now, I mean, I have actors working for me who Scarehouse was their first haunted house that they ever went through. People have grown up with this style of haunted attraction that over the last 20 years, people have an expectation now of, if you go to a haunted attraction, you're going to see the Hollywood quality masks and effects. You're going to have really elaborate sound. You're probably, if you're going to one of the really large shows like Scarehouse, you're expecting to see thousands of people. And I don't know how many people who are going to these haunted houses can even remember that back in the 80s, it really sometimes would just be out in the woods and you're on a hay, you know, somebody's on a tractor or you're walking through the woods and some guy's jumping out in a hockey mask and a chainsaw and that's your that's your haunted house. That's your effect. It's just become so sophisticated. How did you want Scarehouse to stand out from other haunted houses? I think right from the beginning with Scarehouse, we wanted to elevate the expectations for the haunted house. When we started, and even now, I always say there's nothing wrong with the traditional haunted house that is just a series of random scenes. But we really wanted to, you know, I grew up being a huge theme park fan, and I've always liked that idea of creating really immersive environments, but also telling a kind of a story. And that was something 
right from the beginning with Scarehouse, we wanted to not only elevate the level of production so that you could see like a lot of time and money went into this, but really taking inspiration from the theme parks in that way of we want to create something that you really feel lost in. And that is so jam-packed with details and information and story beats that you have to go through time and time again to catch all of it. As Scarehouse has developed over the years, I've found a lot of fun coming up with themes and ideas for haunted attractions that are, I think, radically unlike what you would see at other haunted houses. You know, we rarely do the kind of traditional, oh, it's a circus full of scary clowns. I kind of am always going to get drawn to something that's new and different that you haven't seen before. So we've done things like a haunted house that's all felt like a black and white pop-up storybook. Or we did a haunted house that was all a private members only club set in 1932. And that particular haunt was probably influenced more by Bob Fosse than any kind of traditional horror movie. And that to me is part of the challenge of still trying to scare people, of course, and still trying to unsettle them, but also come up with these more interesting kind of twists on attractions and stories that we do. Something I wanted to touch on, you have a background in television production and editing. What's something you learned from that experience that's made its way into Scarehouse or helped you design your different attractions? I am a huge movie nerd, so our haunts tend to be very visual, and we really fall back on a lot of the sort of the live equivalent of the establishing shot, the wide shot, if you will. And when we're trying to find ways to scare people, we will often kind of play with surroundings. So if we want to have a scene that has a very big dramatic reveal, you know, almost like the opening shot in a big movie or, you know, our version of the big action shot in, a, in a, an Avengers movie or something, we'll put a lot of effort into the scenes immediately before that being very tight and very dark. And that's so much like that language of movies, that language of telling stories via video really plays into how we light, how we move the sound and the lighting. Like very much when we're designing these haunted houses, trying to make it feel like a story or a movie, what have you, and then it has its ebbs and flows. It can't just be scare, 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 scare. There has to be sort of the low moment. There has to be the funny moment. We will not only figure out a scene that we want, but we're figuring out, okay, how does that scene look visually to the customer coming in? And then when it comes time to shoot the promos and things, where's the camera going to go to give me that sort of Stanley Kubrick shining kind of shot of the camera slowly panning in and feeling drawn towards a thing? And I, I mentioned theme parks a lot, but there's the expression that Walt Disney himself talks about having the weenie. And he said, if you think of Disneyland, for example, whenever you're walking around that park, there's always something pulling you forward. You know, when you come in Main Street, it's the castle pulling you forward. Then you turn right and there's structures like Space Mountain and things and Tomorrowland pulling you forward. And that's a big part of Scarehouse is not only that visually pulling towards a thing. Roger Corman used to always say the scary thing you can do in a movie is a slow push on a closed door because you're going, you're drawn to that thing. Unlike a movie, we can't necessarily be like a camera and force you to look at things and not look at other things. What we'll do is that cinematic language of, if I want to have somebody jump out and scare you from the left or the right, I'm going to have something right in front of you that looks so scary and so menacing and so creepy, and you are pulled towards it 
and don't even realize that the scare is coming from above, from below, from the side. Getting the sound, all that stuff to pull you towards the thing, like the slow tracking shot towards the thing, and then the scare comes when you least expect it. And I think that's really speaks to the most fascinating part of haunted houses and like why we really wanted to have this conversation is like the design process of them and how they're like so deceptively simple. And I think they have not a bad rap, but like this reputation sort of of like what we were talking about earlier of like, okay, it's you go in someone's basement and there's like someone dressed as a witch and you have a bat hanging in the ceiling. And it's just sort of like either like these pops, you know, jump scares or gross out scares or these different categories of ways to frighten people. But in reality, to successfully pull off a haunted house, a lot of work has to go into it. And to have a really successful haunted house that taps into what people are frightened of and to kind of not just scare, but also entertain them, you need to be thoughtful about how you achieve that. Could you just briefly outline the design process and how it comes together step by step? Like, how do you go from an initial idea to a fully built haunted house? There's really no one way to design the haunted house. We've had the same core creative team for several years now. The process is really remarkably data-driven. We will take surveys every year of customers telling us what the experience was like for them, but also doing almost an, on an academic level, having people fill out surveys like what scares you. And, you know, big surprise, darkness, clowns. Sometimes it is almost like a, ma like a puzzle of we'll have a list of here are all the thing, the topics and things that scare people. And then, as, as you say, the challenge is how to create that kind of experience in real life and how to make it seem, you know, a perfect haunted house will make you feel like you're the star of your own scary movie. You know, you should, if we're doing our job, it should feel like that scene in a movie where there's just a small band of six survivors and there's all this crazy stuff happening. But in reality, how to make that sense of intimacy and immediate danger happen in a place in which realistically you've got groups of people moving almost like a conveyor belt going through these scenes and coming up with those kind of interactive, intense moments where there is the illusion of fear, life, danger, etc., but then they got to keep moving <laughs> and so, and doing it safe and being up the code and, and everything else. So our process is usually at the beginning of the year, we will sort of look back internally what our lessons were that we learned from the things we did last year, look at the data of what people are responding to. And then sometimes it really is just sort of coming up with blue sky kind of ideas because we switch out a lot of our attractions every year, but when we come up with a concept, it's something that we internally have to be really excited about because we know at the very least we're going to be spending nine, ten months thinking about that topic every day. So if it's something that doesn't particularly excite us, we're not really going to get too behind it. Like using a perfect example of a couple of years ago, we started doing a haunted house that we call Nocturnia 3D because we realized, okay, we have not done like a really heavy clown-focused attraction. Everyone knows clowns are scary, but how to say something new about clowns? You know, at the beginning of that particular year going, okay, we know that clowns scare people, but what is it about clowns specifically? And looking into the science and the research and realizing, okay, it's the unpredictable behavior, it's the, the weird 
facial structures. It's the sort of permanent smile that doesn't necessarily match with what they're doing. And realizing we wanted to do a 3D haunted house because we hadn't done one in a while. And a 3D haunted house is literally like stepping into a 3D movie. You put the glasses on and we're doing different kind of visual illusions to make certain things seem closer than they are, creating fake sense of depth. And then going, okay, well, if we're going to be spending a whole year coming up with all these different concepts involving clowns and people jumping out, what's an interesting way of doing that? And what can we do to make it seem unique to Scarehouse? And that's where we will then sort of go in and dig in deep in research libraries, looking at visual reference stuff, figuring out what is a story that we can tell that gives us a lot of material that we can create scares off of. Because it would be easy enough, for example, for us to just say, okay, it's a scary circus and here's a clown tent and clowns go crazy, whatever. But for us, it's still important to tell a story of the idea of the animals and boxes and things being unloaded. Because that's, I mentioned earlier about being cinematic, realizing it's easy enough to just have a scene where a clown jumps in and scares you, but it's so much more intimidating if you know that clown's coming five minutes before the clown hits you. So you're spending the entire experience going, oh, the clown's coming, the clown's coming, the clown's coming, and it's the clown. That's so much worse than if the clown just jumps out. Are there design elements that you use again and again that always seem to scare guests? I'm especially interested in like the specifics of things like sets or props or sound design, lighting, like special effects, the things that we don't necessarily always think of when we're in a haunted house. I think sound is so overlooked in haunted houses, even to this day. I mean, with digital technology, there's so much you can do with immersive sound design, and it startles me how few haunted houses really take advantage of that. And I mean, to me, there's nothing more terrifying than being in the dark, feeling things brushing up against you, and then hearing whispers in your ear and things moving around or things going from the left to the right, just getting that sense of not knowing what's going on. And so much of what we do really is using, especially at ScareHouse, we will use lighting as a way of distraction, as a way of we will show you this terrible, horrible thing and it runs away and you are sort of following it and now you're in the darkness and your brain is going, I know what's in the darkness because I just saw that terrible thing run in there and now I'm with it. In my experience, as much as I love technology and I love the new toys and the animatronics and everything else, I find so often that if you spend a lot of money on a big giant animatronic, for example, which are available to us in this industry now, nine times out of 10, the customers will go, wow, that looks great, that looks expensive, but it doesn't really land in the same way that a good actor can. So a lot of what we do sometimes is just playing with scale. One of the best scenes we've ever done involved that core primal scare of you are walking through hallways of a house, you're hearing this sort of strange, vaguely clown-like music, and your brain goes, oh, we're, we're coming up on the clown part. This is bad. And coming into the bedroom, and there's various hints that the clown is coming, but you don't realize as a customer, if we're doing our job right, that we have been adjusting the perspective so that you are made to feel very small, the props are slightly enlarged, so it's really sort of subliminally making you feel even more small and childlike, and you're approaching a very... Even you feeling small, we're doing things from hanging overhead to make you sort of indirectly crouch down a little bit and you're going towards what seems to be a very low closet door 
and then we have our clown character jump out of the closet, and he is the tallest actor we have, that kind of playing with perspective and building up to the scare is just something that has worked really well for us for years now. Just like that example of playing perspective, is there like another example you can think of or another time you used like a really subtle or surprising like design principle, like relating to like physics or geometry to unsettle your guests, like something that's really unexpected? A great one that we do is, and I have to give credit, this is a designer who started working on a haunted houses back in the 70s, Leonard Pickle. He came up with what he calls a 45 degree method. You can't, you have to use it sparingly, but it is essentially, you know, most rooms in a house in a building are 90 degree corners. So there is mentally a comfort there of, okay, I'm sitting in a room 90 degrees, 90 degrees, 90 degrees. With the 45 degree model, you, you're basically taking all the walls and they're all at these strange angles. And the reason a lot of times it's done is it gets, this gets a little technical, but with ADA code and everything else, you're trying to fit as much walking path into a scene as you can. You're walking through and at some point subconsciously you start realizing, I don't see any right angles anywhere. I'm not making hard lefts and hard rights anymore. I'm kind of making, I'm almost chicaning through these very narrow paths, literally 45 degree angles. And then you start playing with that perspective, especially in the 3D space where you can start doing perspective paintings so that they can't even tell where walls actually meet. Then you add reflective mirrors on top of that and customers go through, they become so discombobulated, they don't know which way they're going you have sort of almost made them forget they're in a haunted house and make them just think about what's happening? Where am I going? Something is tripping my lizard brain because I'm not going in straight lines right now. Again, another technique that's been around forever, but still works. I'm really obsessed with haunted houses. Like the idea of what's tripping our lizard brains, like the really base elemental parts of them that get to us whether we realize it or not because like to your point like you know many many times seen those ridiculous like impressive animatronics that work for maybe like one or two houses but then like the things that are most effective smell temperature lighting blind corners Mm -hmm. scare pockets it's like these elements you know whether you're aware of them or not often the things that we don't see or aren't aware of that are really triggering that fear in us There are multiple ways of scaring people, and sometimes you can scare them with the familiar, and sometimes you can scare them with the unfamiliar. Sometimes at ScareHouse, we'll tend to resist that because we go, oh, we've seen that so many times. But then you realize, well, if that's what people are telling you they're looking for, sometimes it's okay to give them what they want. So, you know, if it's a very large individual in a mask and he's got a chainsaw, you go, okay, I've seen that a thousand times, but I know that I'm scared of that thing. So here's how I react to it. Actually recording in um, McIntosh House, and they, it used to be owned, I think, by the set designer of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, jeez. Yeah, there's like a clock that was actually used in the movie here. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. One of the other key things I think of haunted houses is it's really important to keep up that fourth wall. What are some ways that you've been able to do that successfully as a creative director? Keeping the fourth wall is really challenging. And, you know, when you're watching a movie, as a customer, you can turn it off. The director can say, the camera's pointed here. So if there's some scary creature in the movie, the guy holding the sticks to make it work, he can just be just underneath the camera line. In a haunted house, you're creating 360-degree environments 
that have to feel very real. The best thing that we have found with maintaining that fourth wall is the lighting is definitely a big part of it, but also being very vigilant about when we create a set. Like for a couple of years ago, we did a attraction that we called Sunset Lodge that was meant to feel like a very beat up motel you'd find on the side of the road somewhere. And really taking a lot of time to look at the reference photos and look at the things and go, what does this place look like in real life? Because in real life, there wouldn't be stuff in every little nook and cranny. I think that is a mistake that a lot of haunted attraction designers make is they think the way to maintain that illusion in that fourth wall is to just put stuff everywhere. And that ends up, I think, actually making it feel more artificial and more fake. What are the specific props that I can put in, you know, the kind of phone that they use or the kind of Bible that's on the nightstand that makes it go like, oh, this is a real place. I get what it is and I get what it is very quickly. I've defined the scarehouse lighting style as being very high contrast with a lot of pools of light and those pools of light so that your brain sort of fills in the stuff you're not seeing. If you walk into a room and I'm lighting like the specific props and the tables, your brain fills in the space in the darkness of like, okay, that's probably where the wall is. That's where this goes. So you also really have to walk the line when designing how scary a haunted house is. Like it's kind of a balance, I think, between making sure that people can still enjoy it, but that it's still serving its purpose of, of course, being scary. So how are you able to walk the line between scary people and like not taking it too far? Thank you for asking that. This is one of my favorite things to talk about is that sometimes the people who are putting on haunted houses or producing movies, I feel like they get almost mean about it in a way that it becomes almost like a hazing experience. And at the core of everything we've ever done at Scarehouse is we want people to come out and finish the experience. If we're doing our job, you should feel intimidated. You should feel like, I'm not sure I can do this. And you go in and you're laughing and you're having a good time because there's that very thin line between being scared and laughing. Yes, we have people who chicken out halfway through or it's too much or it's too intimidating. But for me, I get so much more of a thrill when people say, I didn't think I was going to make it. I came out and my heart's pounding and I'm laughing and I'm crying a little bit, but that felt great. I'm really energized. And that desire, that, that thing we're trying to do inspires everything we do when we're trying to design it of, we do try to, I was very influenced by things like Evil Dead 2 and the George Romero movies that always mixed in some humor. Like, yes, we're scaring you, but we do give you those chances to laugh and have a good time. And all of our actors know not to over scare. You know, if somebody's visibly upset, give them some room because you want them to enjoy it. You want them to have a good time. We've had a very popular character who comes in and out of rotation at Scarehouse called Creepo the Clown, for example. And Creepo the Clown is essentially a guy who was a clown too long. He did one too many birthday parties. He's burned out, doesn't like kids. He can't even be bothered. Like even scaring people, you, you get the sense that he's just, ugh. you know, he's wearing a very sweaty shirt. His makeup is all smeared. And he would say very inappropriate things and scare people and get them terrified. But he never went to a place of quote unquote extreme fear or horror or getting really unpleasant or really nasty. Like we much more tend to enjoy 
things that are gross as opposed to nasty. It's the kind of ridiculous internal conversations we have of, okay, what kind of dead things can we hang up that feel gross and weird? And then what kind of things can we hang up that that's upsetting? That's disturbing. Nobody wants to see that. So a final question we like to ask every guest on the show is what's something that designers in other fields can learn from how you approach your work? I would say something that designers in other fields can learn from the way we do it is not taking for granted what the limitations are or the expectations are of the very thing you are designing. Because there are so many things that we still encounter in designing a haunted house that there is that pressure or that culture to like, oh, you can't go into that topic. That's too sophisticated. That's too out there for people to grasp. And we always go zooming right past that barrier. So I, that's the thing I would say is don't let the limitations or the perceived limitations of what people might be expecting you to do hold you back. Be that person willing to say, well, let's take this a couple steps beyond what people might expect to see. Usable is a Quartz Creative Production. Ricardo Bilton and Morgan Chmielewski are our executive producers. Music by George Colazzo. Art design by Shannon Angler. For more information about Quartz Creative, head to creative.qz.com.